This is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. And I'm Marcus Harvey. Nonprofit organizations play an important role in our country. In fact, some have observed that nonprofit and philanthropic organizations are a unique feature of American society. Today, Marcus and I are going to look at the work of the YMCA, one of the oldest nonprofit organizations in the world. Stay tuned, and we'll be back in a moment. Again, this is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. Pleased to be back in the studio. Pleased to have you all join us in the audience and really happy to be here again with my brother, Dr. Marcus Harvey. Marcus, how is it going? I'm well. Happy to be here for yet another engaging conversation. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing well and just interested. You and you know, you know, and I have been interested in the work of philanthropic organizations. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about community, and I'm interested, Marcus, in looking at how philanthropic organizations really do support community how they help to build and strengthen community. And this is something that we've talked about uh, quite a bit. Uh, Many years ago, I think I may have mentioned this to you before, that one of my mentors, Mr. Jay Parker, had given me a book years ago called Reclaiming the American Dream, and it's subtitled The Role of Private Individuals in Voluntary Organizations, and it really explored the history of voluntary and nonprofit organizations in in the work of building community in the United States. Yeah, and that's interesting because, you know, as we discussed on this show previously, um, our society is so grounded in capitalism and the capitalist ethos that so many of our institutions are are similarly grounded. But running parallel to that um, are really are, you know, these philanthropic nonprofit institutions. Uh, which I think are important because apart from maybe the the university or the college, um, I don't know that there are many other institutional spaces in American society where, for instance, conversations around civic engagement um, can occur um, in a way that is serious. You're right. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. People have heard me. Those of you in the audience will know I have mentioned Alexis de Tocqueville a lot in his book, Democracy in America, which I think is, again, I will just kind of emphasize is a book I think that we need to go back to. It's interesting how relevant that book still is to our day and age. But one of the things that he actually found so unique about American society when he was here in the 1830s studying American society was the role of voluntary organizations, how people in their communities came together to actually get things done. There was less of a focus on government. And then when you're coming into the wilderness to kind of tame the wilderness, so to speak, as we've heard that term when we look at the at American history writ large, that people had to come together because there was really no government there to really kind of come in and do things. So people came together um, and I've he he argued that this actually not only helped to build communities, but it also strengthened democracy and people's uh, involvement with democracy. Yeah, and I think for that reason, um, people really should be intentional about um, studying uh, the history of, of in this country of philanthropic and nonprofit institutions because they really do I think that history really does uncover um, a, a large a, a largely 
um, I would say understudied and not widely well understood um, history, right. um, which I think represents an important aspect of American social experience, American political experience, American, American economic experience. Um, and, it, and it complicates. Mm-hmm. It complicates our understanding of, of the American past um, and, and of the present, I would argue, as well. Right. Yeah. And we don't have time to do it here, Marcus, yeah. but if we went in and we looked deeply at the 1830s and the Great Depression mm-hmm. in the United States, one of the mm-hmm. things that historians say about that period and and with the development of so many government programs to help move us through that mm-hmm. tough economic time that the country went through that one of the changes that occurred after the Great Depression was over is that people turned their attention to government and to Washington more than they did before that time now um, so it, you know recently the Atlantic Monthly published an article on is democracy dying mm-hmm. and it was interesting that one of the things that they said that there needed to be this kind of turn back to volunteer organizations actually so that people were more involved in their community that issue of civic engagement that you raised and there are a number of organizations that are focusing on this I think again of the Institute for Emerging Issues at North Carolina State University which is working on these so this is a big topic and a big conversation but one of those organizations that's been important here has been the the work of the YMCA so when Marcus and I come back we're going to have a conversation with Paul Mr. Paul Vest the president and CEO of the YMCA of Western North Carolina. We'll find out how the work of the Y has changed over the years when we come back. Well, welcome back. This is the Waters and Harvest Show again, coming to you from Asheville, North Carolina, here at Blue Ridge Public Radio. We are so happy to be here in the studio, and I'm really happy to have and honored to have here, I think Marcus and both of us are happy to have with us, Mr. Paul Best, and we're happy to welcome him here to the show. Great to be here. Welcome, Thanks, Paul. Thanks for being in. Now, Paul is in his 23rd year as the president and CEO of the YMCA of Western North Carolina. And before we kind of get into this conversation, we should need to have one disclaimer. Um, I am also a member of the board of directors of the YMCA of Western North Carolina, um, recently uh, appointed as a member of that board. And it's been an interesting experience, Paul, to find out so much more about what the Y is actually doing, not just here in Western North Carolina, but thinking about what the work of the Y across the United States. Now, Paul, where I'd like to kind of start with this conversation, if we could, is just talk about the history of the YMCA in general what what is that what is that backstory when did the organization start right well we started uh, um, internationally in London England mm. <clears throat> excuse me we um, started as a organization that really lifted up and reached out to young men usually uh, coming in from farms uh, farm country outside of London to work in the drapery factories mm. uh, George Williams saw very quickly a, a need for uh, a safe place for for young people to come and study the Bible, and uh, it turned into a place to stay and live, and the fitness wellness piece started coming into that. Our spirit, mind, and body Mm -hmm. developed out of that model of recognizing that 
um, the importance of uh, having your spirit and your body and your mind equally uh, on a triangle, basically equally equally fed, that uh, that was the important part of uh, balance in one's life. And so it uh, started from, a, um, you know, really a, a youth development organization uh, in London, England, and uh, trying to keep kids safe and, right. and it moved on from there. You know, I'll, I'll say this, Marcus, before you jump mm-hmm. in here. It's interesting to create this context. You know, as a historian, I'm always talking about context. And we, you know, Paul, we could have a long conversation here about the, the economic changes that were, were occurring in places like London in the 1840s, I think, when uh, George Williams uh, started this organization. But industrialization had a lot to do with that. And then industrialization would take place later on in the United States, and it would have a lot to do with the efforts to bring the, the YMCA's work here as well. Yeah, and I, I was just going to ask, you answered my question, I was just going to ask about uh, what, what precipitated uh, the form of the YMCA in London, England, but I think you just pretty much answered that, <laughs> answered that question, uh, which is fine. Uh, but Paul, if you would, could you speak a little bit um, more to the mission, the original mission of the of the YMCA? I think you probably have begun to touch on it a little bit, because you speak in a bit more detail about that, that right. original mission. Well, our mission statement clearly states that we're, uh, you know, as a we work from Christian principles to for a healthy spirit, mind, and body for all. Um, our Christian principles certainly across the country uh, get sometimes uh, evaluated and defined differently. Um, and I think here in Western North Carolina, those principles really around centering uh, to welcome and love and accept everybody for who they are uh, to create that safe place, similar to what George Williams uh, was looking for. Um, and as importantly to me probably is that those last two words for all. Um, mm. that, that inclusiveness as an organization, the importance of making sure that we lift that up in mm. the communities that we serve and that we really, you know, we, we, we kind of create that safe place for, for everybody. When they come into the mm. Y, they leave their, you know, their their name tag or their, you know, their their business card at the door and they mm. come in and, and part of one community. Mm. And just as a, I'm just, just out of curiosity, Paul, in your experience, so you've been with the YMCA for 23 years, which is a considerable amount of time. Um, have you found at all that, um, that the Christian foundation of the YMCA, YMCA, excuse me, has ever sort of served as a kind of impediment to the to the kind of inclusivity for which this for which this organization strives, mm-hmm. or has that not really been an issue, um, given kind of the the various forms of diversity that exist in this part of the state? Right. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think um, yes. To answer your question, okay. it, it has challenged. I think the organization, the national organization. Mm-hmm. There's different parts of the country that. Um, might be a little more welcoming and open to the LGBTQ community uh, than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and we find, in the, you know, candidly, in the South, that there's some challenges whether we're going to be um, an accepting, open organization, welcoming all, and being inclusive, or are we going to be exclusive? And you know, mm-hmm. as somebody of Christian faith um, has seen uh, too much exclusiveness uh, mm-hmm. that happens. And so I think, you know, Darren can speak to this from a board member. We, we we have really um, worked hard as an organization, challenging our board to have dialogue, to have conversation around what does it mean to be uh, a welcoming and inclusive organization, and um, and how do we do that under those Christian principles that that we stand for in Western North Carolina? All right, and it's and those are not. That's a that's an interesting debate. I mean, we, we can have candid conversation, and not everybody's going to be you know where where we feel like we are sometimes. All right. 
So, Paul, I mean, Paul and, I, and I think that this is, we could even follow this track even more, thinking about that. And as to why, is having conversations about these issues of diversity and inclusion and, and openness to people of different faiths, different backgrounds. What impact is that having? Do, do, you're seeing positive results from that, from the people who are members or who participate with, with the YMCA. Um, yes. Um, you know, our organization from an internal standpoint, our employee, uh, we, we call employee resource groups. So we have a multicultural employee resource group. We have a LGBTQ uh, employee resource groups. And these are internal groups within our organization of staff that, that have common needs, common interests that want to come together and just find that, that conversation mm-hmm. piece. And so we've embraced that. We've, um, we probably could have three or four others, but uh, right. we've embraced that and, and working towards uh, some of that work. Uh, I think on the membership side, we see it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. We have folks that um, uh, don't necessarily accept some of the, the beliefs and that those principles that we hold up, um, and that's okay. You know, right. we, we they they have a voice and they can uh, you know uh, use that voice in our organization and share their thoughts and opinions with each other. But I, I would say that more more than um, than not, we have had people. Um, quietly, a lot of the time, stand up for the things that we we lift up and and really hold those to be a, a value for right. us as an organization. You know, one one of the things that you I've heard you talk about too, and I know that if you go to the Wise website, Y of Western North Carolina's website, you'll see the statement there or the comment there that more than just the gym. So many people tend to think about it, and I and you've heard me say this before. I I have a deep appreciation uh, of the work that Y has done with youth because my my two sons have been actively involved in in the eastern part of the state were actively involved with the Y um, as they were growing up. But when you see that statement, more than just a gym, could you explain a little bit about what you mean sure. when you're saying that? Well, you know, for the longest time, we that's what we promoted. Um, we were a great place for health and wellness. And, uh, you know, candidly, I think uh, even across the country, we lost a little sight of being that youth development organization that that so many people have found us to be over the years. And um, so we have we have really found a, a new voice to talk more about the kind of things that, that um, uh, we do out in the community that's outside of just uh, wellness and, and health. Uh, so um, our youth development work is certainly very important, but we're doing nutrition. Camp Wataya was started you know, four summers ago, and um, so uh, there is there is so much more than just right. being a gym. Yeah, and, and Paul, I'm, I'm thinking still a little bit about uh, – the, the the Christian ethos within which um, this organization was birthed. You've been involved with the local Y here for quite some time, and I'm, I'm just curious to hear from you how you see the Y, um, how it has grown over the past 23 years um, in light of that firm grounding in, in this in this sort of Christian ethos. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, for me personally, it, it is that, um, you know, from a, a faith standpoint, Christ loved everybody, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he was he here, was here representing um, the least of these. And so I think it's important for us to always hold that up to be, again, to be that inclusive type of organization. Uh, I have seen it from, from faith. I remember my first probably first 30 days on the job. I had somebody from the Jewish faith call me and point out to me on our membership application that we had by signing this. I, I uh, agree that Jesus Christ is my 
savior, yeah, 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 you know, mm-hmm. and here's somebody of the Jewish faith that we were asking to sign a, a document mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they could not sign. And so where were we as an organization to turn them away? And that was an example of the faith piece of this. Uh, we have a, a number of folks who are struggling with their own faith, and, and whether that be a Christian faith or, or another faith. And I've always shared with our staff and volunteers, it's probably more important to us, to me, at least as the CEO, that we're, we are demonstrating in our behaviors those Christian principles. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that, that being loving and open and, uh, and welcoming to all people is critically important. Mm-hmm. And if our behaviors can show our Christian principles in action, uh, you, you know, the, putting posters on the wall and, and, and you know, unfortunately, or sometimes, you know, beating people over the head with a Bible and Scripture um, just does not take us as far as I think our behavior should. Mm-hmm. So uh, we try to practice that on a regular basis and, and use that as our ground uh, ground start, basically. Well, you know, and, uh, Paul, we, we've talked uh, a lot about the interesting history or uh, the very intriguing and rich history of the YMCA. I I ended up having to write a bit about the YMCA for my own doctoral dissertation and writing about the uh, development of the African-American community here in Asheville. And the YMI, you know, it has kind of a unique relationship with the YMCA of Western North Carolina. It it the. It's interesting when you look at the history of the development of that organization, the Young Men's Institute, which the acronym stood for early on, is now known as the YMI Cultural Center. But it was developed along the same lines of a YMCA. I I find it interesting with that history of that organization that while there was uh, some thought early on about associating it with the YMCA, they decided to kind of make it an independent organization. I think that had a lot to do with George Vanderbilt's role in it and wanting to use it to to kind of be experimental about what he could do for the African-American community. But the Y has an early history with the African-American community uh, in the United States. What can you tell us about that, that unique history? Well, again, I think it, the the Y was one of those um, organizations that really kind of got up and got caught up in the day and age of issues that were going on, especially mm-hmm. as it related to racism, mm-hmm. and um, really worked hard in in most cases to try to figure out how do you deal with that. And uh, and I will say, you know, here in Asheville, it's my understanding that the YMI. I guess it was prior to that title was the market. Maybe it was after that, the Market Street Y, mm-hmm. and it was viewed as the African-American Y in, in Asheville. It was, I think, when in the late 60s, early 70s, when the Woodfin Street Y or <clears throat> the downtown Y was built, there was a joint decision by both boards to close or the Market Street Y mm-hmm. and integrate a YMCA. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was, you know, late 60s, early 70s. Um, and there's, you know, there's really some sad stories to hear how that process went on. What's been interesting is that my staff and I have, have taken the Hood Huggers um, tour mm-hmm. in that part of town, and to realize the importance of some of these institutions and how the decisions that were made to change the communities changed the community forever. Mm-hmm. And um, you know how we would look at that in hindsight and do some things differently, or the board would have back then. Uh, I don't know, but um, it certainly, I think, today continues to be a struggle to be viewed as you know folks of the African-American community are welcomed in our why. And we have timeless, endless conversations about how do we take that first step to attract folks to come and know that they're welcomed and 
and and should be valued to come into our why. And sometimes that starts with our staff, but uh, we've got to figure out a, a way to get across that line. Now, you know, Paul, is that just a problem here in in Asheville, or do you see it in in other places? And I, and I would also, and one of the reasons why I'm bringing this up is because the YMCA even here at the YMCA of Western North Carolina has a relationship with the larger right. Y, uh, national and I guess international Y as well. How does that relationship work out? And even as you kind of engaging some of your your um, your counterparts in other parts of the state and probably other parts of the world, are you finding that they are having some of those similar challenges that we're talking about? Probably here? not as much. You know, and part of it is our demographic. Um, and I think there's a lot of Ys in different parts of the North Carolina, certainly parts of the country have who have vibrant programs specifically in the African-American community. And one is Black Achievers um, that is really set up for professional African-American professional men in the community that that want to mentor and coach and work with with young people um, and really kind of give a new new look at what that looks like. Um, you know, Darren, as you and I have talked before, one of our greatest challenges, how do we attract folks of color into our organization and and know that they have a place where they can really make a difference in some of these areas. And I think, unfortunately, Asheville gets very siloed and it's very difficult to figure out how do we get like-minded organizations to come together and and work towards the good of all kids, you know? Um, And we learned that the hard way. Camp Attire was a, it was a huge, um, you know, four years ago, I took that on to be, I wanted an integrated um, community experience for kids in nature and, and, and here in these beautiful mountains. And I was, it, it was, uh, unfortunately for me, a, a, a life-changing kind of aha when I realized these kids just aren't going to come to us. You know, we had to figure out ways to, uh, and I'm talking about kids of color in particular, how do we open our doors wider for these kids and know that they had a place that they could participate in. But there was a cultural change there that, you know, generationally, I had to figure out how do we deal with that. Well, the best right. way to deal with that is find other like-minded organizations that now could help bring kids and mm. kind of change that cycle mm. of um, of thought with both parents and kids that right. they belong and can, can certainly have a good outdoor camp experience like anybody else. So yeah. there's a lot of outreach and collaboration that's going on, yeah. here, which is yeah. great. And kind of along that line, Paul, you've been talking about about um, the the uh, a focus on aligning uh, the organization's behaviors and practices with um, the organization's core values. Um, with that in mind, what would you consider to be some signature programs um, that you're most proud of? Well, I keep on talking about Wataya. That yeah. being brand new from scratch, uh, there's, there hasn't been many Ys that have been built from scratch like mm. Camp Wataya across the country. We have 333 YMCAs that are resident overnight camps across the country, and we're the one of the last or first that, that has been built from scratch like that. So that mm. that was a vision. There are donors and people with a with a real passion for camping to, to bring that to fruition. You know, when I came in '96, we had the downtown Y and our Beaver Dam location. So we were we were literally two million dollar operating budget and and uh, mm. right here in downtown. And and um, you know now we're close to thirty million and you know eight eight different branches. And and so part of the Part of what has happened, and I think, again, to part of your point, when you bring donors and and volunteers and a 
visionary kind of organization like the Y that really does want to do purposeful work in the community and uh, can make a difference, those those connections really can make some incredible things come together. And so, I, you know, there's one of the things I'm probably most proud of is is um, is the growth of the organization, but the way that we grew and the way we engaged uh, different uh, folks in the community mm-hmm. to bring it together. So, Paul, I'm thinking, too, you know, about how Marcus and I kind of started this conversation and talking about the role of government. And when we think about where we kind of are in some of our political conversations uh, today, where we've become so polarized as a society, which means that in many ways government is becoming less effective than it than it once was. And, and I'm looking at this from the from the uh, perspective of a historian who's who studied times when the government has been very active and we've gotten a lot of things done. It doesn't seem like we're getting much done these days. So what type of what type of opportunity does that create for organizations like the YMCA? And are you finding that there is uh, people are are looking to you and organizations like the Y to kind of step in and maybe fill the void where government maybe may not be as effective? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly on the service standpoint, yes, we're seeing a lot of. Um, uh, you know our nutrition work. We're, we're finding folks can't make it paycheck to paycheck. Um, you know, the end of the year, we tend to see more and more uh, visits to our mobile kitchens and our distribution centers for just for food purposes. They're trying to make those those paychecks stretch, mm-hmm. and and so they come no questions asked they come to our distribution sites and uh, can pick up fresh fruit and produce Um, and so there's a service side there I I think as importantly as an organization we constantly challenge ourselves to be in the conversation not the political conversation but to be in the conversation of uh, and I use this analogy recently with our staff that you know we get people who get into their separate corners and there's no place to talk I'm not interested in having political conversations in our YMCA. As a matter of fact, we've we've worked really hard to try not to be non-political. Mm-hmm. We we really want to be that organization that can come into a community and make some things happen. But I've started raising the question: Well, what if we made the ring, the the four corners, a little smaller, or better yet, what if we just made it a circle, and that there was really no corner for people to get in? And so we've tried to create these safe environments that allow people mm-hmm. to come in feel and decompress a little bit and i will tell you we made some changes um when we realized gosh it's been a couple years now that the news cycle was really agitating (laughs) our members and so we would get people who were coming to the y to relax and get kind of get decompressed and they'd be on a treadmill and they'd see you know one of the (laughs) the news stations they don't want to be watching so so we kind of said you know we're going to take that all out and and we got some we got some pushback on that you know Mm. both sides of it felt like we were we were pushing one agenda or the other and it really was about how do we create an environment where people can come again i'll bring up retire no electronics so kids can can start decompressing with their own uh, stresses in life right. and, and that's right. for us so we'll leave the last question for you marcus <laughs> yeah well I, I think there's so many avenues of avenues we could explore for discussion but um i'm sure there are folks out there who are interested in learning more about how they could get more involved with the why um of west north carolina so for those who may have that interest what would you recommend Paul? yeah i'd, I'd, I'd visit our website um, you know, there's a ton of, uh, you know, almost too much information on there because we are a little bit of everything for everybody. But visit our website, get to know us a little bit more, uh, come into our facilities, ask for a tour. Uh, 
Um, mm. And as you're, you know, and you may not even be looking for that wellness component, but but as you take that tour, listen to the things that we're doing in the community, because there's always those avenues. We had a conversation at a staff meeting this morning about join the Y. Well, it's not joining as, as a membership. It's joining to help us feed kids or to mm. help mm-hmm. read to kids or to uh, tutor kids and um, or come and just dis- help us with food distribution. So there's a lot of things that people can be connected with. And, I, right. you know, I think one of the things that we better be careful as a society is that we're going to start losing volunteer opportunities right. for people to be connected with each other. Well, Paul, we want to thank you for coming in. And that's a good way to end um, and thinking about, you know, mm-hmm. these opportunities that are that are out there for us to get involved and volunteer in our community. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again. And Marcus and I will be right back. Well, again, Marcus, this was a good conversation. I mean, I could have kept that going. Um, there's yeah. so many avenues that we could explore. I have been, as a member of the board of the YM, YMCA of Western North Carolina, it's been amazing to see the amount of work that they do do in the community, along with so many other organizations that are are doing this important work. And, and I really see filling a void where government is kind of not really uh, as effective as it, as it might have once been. Yeah, given, given the need, especially now for more serious civic engagement it may it may be time to rethink um you know funneling more funding right. um in the direction of non-profits or profit organization for that purposes and so, i love their purpose. i love their statement about more than just a gym because it is so much yeah. more and a way to really get connected with the local community well marcus and i want to thank you all for joining us again and we want to remind you once again that the waterson harvest show is produced at blue ridge public radio in Asheville, north carolina and you can listen to our podcast on bpr or on the BPR mobile app and at Apple Podcast and Google Play. Follow us and get in touch on Facebook and Twitter. And thank you to Paul again for joining us. Marcus and I'll see you next time. Take care.